0: everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Fish Bites, the Miami Herald's Miami Marlins podcast. I'm Jordan McKearson. He's Andre Fernandez. Dre, how you doing, bud?
1: I'm doing well. Just uh, keeping track of this offseason and the, uh, you know, the, the flurry of rumors going around. And back for another one with you. We're going to cover some of that now. And interesting how, again, it's like another week, another big name, either signs or is associated with one of the National League East teams not named the Marlins.
0: Yeah, we'll get to those guys, those bigger names in a minute, but we do have a Marlin. we have some news from the Marlins. Uh, Anthony Bass, relief pitcher, assuming it'd be between him and Yimmy Garcia for the closer, the Marlins agreed to terms with him last week. It's looking like a 2-year deal, 5 million dollars guaranteed with a team option for 2023. The first multi-year deal under Kim Ang for a Marlins free agent, and it's looking a little bit more that we're getting some clarity of the Marlins Yet again, rebuilt, overhauled, whatever adjective you want to use to describe it here, their bullpen is going to be looking fresh once again.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't think in in this case there's nothing wrong with that because, you know, last year they had to patch together a lot of guys and, and, you know, out of necessity. And we've talked about that. So bringing in some fresh arms, some guys that could, you know, provide some more quality to the depth on that side, especially on the back end, is something they need. Because really, like we talked about last week, other than Yumi Garcia – You're kind of looking at this like, well, who's going to be those? Who are going to be those bridge guys to to get from that rotation that they're expecting a lot out of to them? And if you look at Anthony Bass, you know, a young guy, you know, they're still not not young guy, thirty-three-year-old veteran actually. I think I confused him with another reliever in the pen. Sorry, Um, but a guy with some experience. And if you look at him, yeah, three fifty-one, solid. You know, he has some closing experience, seven saves last year. You know, but again, you 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 look at the fact that they like. Obviously, they've talked about, you know, nauseum the strike throwing ability, you know, that kind of shows a little bit small sample size overall last year, but a guy who had 21 K's, you know, he had nine walks. So a little, you know, those numbers came down the last two years, if you look at his track record. So you hope that you're getting the guy that's a little more like he was when he pitched, you know, for the Cubs and even a little bit more with the Mariners and not maybe the one that struggled a little bit in that department last year so you hope to see more of that, that sort of like a, a, that put away mentality. And if he, and if he can be that guy again, it's another solid addition in theory to the pen, but then, you know, and I know we're going to talk about it later. I know I can't wait to apparently to get around the division, but when you see Brad hand in the division now too, you're like, wow. All right. Yet another obstacle.
0: Yeah. I mean, we, we've been going through saying the Marlins started, the started the pot with saying, yeah, I'll put in, the, in Anthony Bass, and the, and the Nationals quickly go, Okay, I see your Bass, and I raise you a Brad right hand. And it just <laughs> exactly. gets to the point where it's going to be the never ending poker game where the Marlins I... are going to have to try to use the most of the little chips they have to compete in, a, in this division. But to go specifically with Bass a little bit, uh, he's been in the league since uh, he made his debut with the Padres in 2011, was used as a starter early on before fully moving to the in 13. He took a year in 2016 and went and played in Japan, won a championship there. And then Mm -hmm. once he returned to the big leagues in 2017, had some struggles in 17, but then 18, 19, 20, 18 with the Cubs, 19 with the Mariners, 20 with the Blue Jays, put together a 3-4-4 ERA over 86 games, which it shows a little bit more of that long-term, at least relatively long-term track record that Kim Ang has been talking about trying to, look beyond just 2020 and see what and try bringing guys who have experience and have shown that they can succeed over multiple years. He's been a back end guy, which again, the Marlins needed considering it was really just Jimmy Garcia until then. So now you yeah. have two guys who you would think that they're comfortable with in the eighth and ninth inning. You have Richard Blyer and James Hoyt, Blyer a lefty Hoyt a righty that could take care of the seventh inning. And you can have a little more flexibility when it comes to matchups, but At the end of the day, you still hope there's at least one more, whether it's a free agent signing, whether it's a trade, you're hoping there's at least one more veteran presence they can bring into this pen before spring training starts and ultimately before the season begins.
1: Yeah, and and the names are still out there, as we know. And then, like, you're looking at his track record and kind of what I was pointing to before. You look at when he pitched for the Cubs, 4.67 strikeout-to-walk ratio looks pretty good. That was a career best, but then that slipped to 253 the next year with seattle and then 233 last year with toronto and an even smaller sample size so it's kind of trending in the wrong direction in terms of those numbers especially and the walk rates are up a little bit so that's the thing it's like you kind of hope that he can kind of recover the form he had in the national league the first time when he was with the cubs maybe that'll favor him now with the marlins and then that can set the table kind of put some more of those pieces in place for you in the pen
0: yeah and then you still have the matter of the marlins having to figure out their overall roster construction because once the Marlins officially announce him as part of the roster, they have a 40 men move to make. And the bullpen guys that they've had in the past are starting to get very, very slim with who you have to choose. If you're going to, if you're going to DFA somebody from the bullpen, I mean, if I look correctly outside of, you have the rule five guys who you have to hold on to. And of the guys who were returning from last year, you've got Jeff Brigham is the main name that comes to mind. And then you have a bunch of your prospects who you really aren't sure. I mean, you're assuming you're going to want to hold on to a lot of their top prospect guys. So it's looking like either Brigham's going to be that odd man out, or they're going to have to try to find ways to swing some trades around and maybe load out, trade out some of that depth that they have at the outfielder and pitching positions to bring in some prospects who aren't, who aren't, don't have to be protected on that 40 man roster yet.
1: Yeah. And I think that's the, that's the whole key right there is what more moves do they make? Even if it's not like maybe huge splash moves, but again, it could be in terms of, you know, what, what they can part with to make space on the roster, like you said, and, or it could just mean it's time for a guy like Brigham, you know, do, are they still sold that he can be a part of this? You know, can he still make a contribution and really be a key component or, or do they move on? You know, we may see some names like him or others that have been here a little while already that, you know, maybe this fresh perspective in the front office wants to go in a different direction as, as they are bringing these other arms in.
0: And speaking of going in other directions, we're seeing more moves around the NL East. I mean, we already talked about Brad hand. Uh, we already talked about Brad hand with the nationals uh, The Nationals are bring Zimmerman back as their backup first baseman, to Josh bell and yep. seeing the murmurs of the Mets with their open wallet of potentially targeting Trevor Bauer because the rotation isn't strong enough as it is.
1: I think my text to you exactly was wait a second the Mets are getting Trevor Bauer and the Marlins are going bass fishing now like what like really this keep, this keeps on i mean i think i said the other day that right now the Marlins are like the 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 car it, what's what's a good like economy like like solid economy car what, do you, what what's something like that a, a good you know i'm trying to think of like something like that that that's where they are they're like the one going 40 50 they're going to get where they're going they're going they you know steady pace here comes the here comes the ferrari and goes right past them that's the Mets right now I mean and that's and that's what worries me because they need to they need to somehow keep pace with the with these franchises even even if it's not this season but you look in the grand scheme of things I mean you know those are those are some quality that's some quality talent the Mets are the Mets may be getting close to the uh we can't screw it up territory because we're going to be that good you know and then again as we've said Atlanta's still good now the nats are making moves to make sure they don't fall out of it the only team that stayed quiet so far for the most part has been the Phillies but even they have veterans and they've still got Harper. I mean, if they lock up JT, that's a, you know, solid, obviously we know about him behind the plate. So you hope that this Marlins team can continue to do a lot of what they did last year and kind of squeeze as much as they can making these, you know, potentially good economical moves, but down the road at some point, you know, you hope a lot of these prospects pan out or maybe they make a a little bigger splashes, no pun intended.
0: Yeah, that was the key. And I'm shaking my head right now with that pun. I knew it was coming, but. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you just had to.
0: Yeah, you had the cheese, to. The
1: cheese level just went through the roof in this podcast right now.
0: Yes, it did. We're, we're going full out here. But, I mean, just looking at the Mets really quick, if, and again, nothing's official on it, but if you get Bauer and you look at a rotation of Jacob DeGrom, Trevor Bauer, Cookie Carrasco, Stroman, and then eventually by midseason, Noah Syndergaard, just come on. man, Just come on.
1: He's gonna stand he's gonna stand there like when the when the portals open and right behind Captain America mm-hmm. and, and, and all the reinforcements are there. That that that's gonna be you know, that's the Mets sometime in, in July at this rate.
0: Yeah, but that also, as you mentioned with the prospects, that puts even more pressure on, at least from the Martin Trent office perspective, of Sixo Sanchez panning out, yeah. of Edward Cabrera panning out, of eventually Max Meyer panning out, of Trevor Rogers and Braxton Garrett holding their own and being that bottom of the rotation until the next, until the next wave comes in. And, I'll give you if- better,
1: and, and but not to cut you off, but I'll I'll, I'll take it. I'll, I'll throw another chip on the table. Even more importantly of JJ Bladé panning out. That was going to be my next guy. Yes. <laughs> of jazz Chisholm panning out. Uh, let, let's talk the position players, which to me is the bigger, the bigger need in this system right now. So I hope that those guys really do pan out and the sticks come along as well.
0: Yeah. And we're getting to the point where, that time of having those fringe veterans biding time for the prospects, yeah, it's got to come to an end pretty, pretty soon, especially considering if all things were in a normal circumstance, JJ Blede more than likely would have been up at some point in 2021 if we had a regular 2020 season. We, would more, we, would, we saw a little bit of Jesus Sanchez. We saw a little bit of Monty Harrison. We saw a little bit of Jazz. We saw a little bit of Lewin Diaz. We have no idea really exactly how, what they're going to be thinking long-term at the catcher position right now. Because they yeah. still don't know if Jorge Alfaro is going to be the answer, and if he's not, we don't know if Will Banfield is the bona fide way to go. Once we get right. once we get down there a couple of years down the road,
1: it's yeah. And the- even if you do bring in a Wilson Contreras, that's not an extremely long term move either. I mean that that also you know, it's a it's a short term answer for sure, but again leaves the the rest of it in limbo. But they, they have been tied to a couple of outfielders that you know as we're talking about potential placeholders or guys that could bring in for a couple of years you know the Benintendi stuff is still floating around but Anthony Sant- Santander is a is an interesting name that popped up too I know you were, you wanted to talk about him a little bit
0: yeah definitely let's take a quick break here and then when we come back we'll talk a little bit more about trades and what it can mean for the roster long term should they happen and just ultimately try to start analyzing the Marlins options at this point so we'll be back in a second
1: you ready Showtime.
0: All right, we're back, guys. As Andre mentioned right before the break, uh, the Marlins are still part of this rumor mill with a bunch of guys in the trade open trade market. Uh, Obviously, they've been tied to Ben Attendee for about a couple weeks now. It doesn't seem like there's much traction there, but for all intents and purposes of this podcast, let's just assume that that's still on the table. And then MASN reported that the Marlins have had at least introductory conversations with the Orioles about, potentially trading for outfielder Anthony Santander. Uh, a lot of options, we know that the Marlins have been talking about potentially bringing in a bat, but it also begs the question of what do the Marlins do if they trade for one of those guys? What does it do for who the Marlins already have with them? Because no matter who they trade for, they're going to have to clear 40-man space. They are already having, have a spot they need to clear for Anthony Bass. You would think, and obviously none of this is solidified or set in stone in any way, you would think that Magnery-Sierra more than likely would be involved in some way, shape, or form just due to the fact that he's out of options. And the Marlins still have all of these prospects waiting in the wings between Monty Harrison, between Jesus Sanchez, J.J. Bleday, hopefully by the end of 2021, if not at the latest, the early 2022. And you still have Brinson as well. So there's a lot of moving pieces that would be involved in... There's just a lot of different directions the Marlins can go go with this as they continue to weigh options.
1: Well, we've been hearing about Magnani Sierra's lack of options for like two years now, mm-hmm. haven't we? And somehow he continues to hang on this roster. And you know, things got a little better for him last year at the plate, and we saw that in the you know even in the postseason a little bit. But I mean, again, if you know tough choices have to be made, I could see, I could totally see them maybe going you know, somewhere else, especially if uh, an opportunity like that. I mean, I like, I like this kid sent in there in the sense of, you know, high OPS guy would be another one that can get on base a lot. Decent, seems like he's got decent power, you know, 20 homers in 1911 homers last year and only 153 at bats. That's pretty good too. And you know, that's an attractive tool to this organization. So, I mean, the, the, the whole thing, could they get him? Yes. The issue is, yeah. Like you said, what do they part with? And more importantly, what does this mean for right field? Does this mean that especially you know in a year like last year where there wasn't a minor league season, does this ideally mean that you keep Bladey in the minors a little longer, give him a little more development time down there, you know, since he might have that opportunity this year because really you got a logjam and then there's a lot of interesting little pieces that, you know, guys can play in left, guys can play in right, but you're going to have a lot of bodies which going into the season you want that, but later on we have to sort them out. There's still, you know, Harold Ramirez is still there. Brinson played better last year you haven't given up on Monte yet where you know technically maybe center field down the road but where do you put him for now that sort of thing so a lot of moving parts there that's going to be interesting to see but I mean again a solid name that you look at the numbers and he and 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 with 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 Santander I I actually do like the trend there and kind of the tools he's got uh, from looking at the numbers it looks like a guy that could potentially come in that'd be two years in a row they get somebody that used to be with the Orioles that could prove to be pretty productive
0: yeah, definitely. I mean, you mentioned his high OPS. He was at an 890 last year, a 575 slugging mark. Both of those would have led the Marlins last season. I mean, yeah. going with the Marlins. And 11 up, homers
1: yeah. in, in that short amount of time, that that's pretty yeah. good. Yeah,
0: yeah. That, would have, that would have tied Andy last year with for the Marlins lead. And that's, you need a type of bat like that. Obviously, you're hoping to get a full year out of Cooper this year. And that's another guy we have to mention about possibly in the outfield. If there's no D.H., yeah. Cooper could potentially get a couple de- of couple spot days in left and right field when you have Jesus Aguilar at first base. Yeah, So you still have a lot of bodies to do, but...
1: And contractually, all- looking at Stanton there real quick, uh, pre-arb guy too. So it's a guy that in theory maybe you could keep for, you know, just not more not just one, it's not a one-year rental guy in Definitely. theory, it could be. Yeah.
0: Definitely. And then once things start clearing out after next year, because Corey Dixon left on the second year of his two-year deal, Starling Martez on the last year or he's the team option for his part of the deal. Right. So if they can find a way to solve the problem, solve this good problem to have through 2021. And then it, and then you start seeing the opportunities open up in 2022, where you could potentially have, let's just say, assume that they trade for Santander. You could have a Santan, an outfield of Lede Santander and potentially Monty Harrison with, mm. with a Jesus Sanchez or Harold Ramirez on the bench, which mm-hmm. would more or less trend to what they were hoping to do at some point, but there's also still the figuring out the, how you handle it in 2021, which there's a month ago. We still have a lot of time to, to digest this. Uh, But to go off, you mentioned Bladé, and it just feels like, I want to talk with him a little bit. It just feels like, again, even though he was at the alternate training site all of last year, he's an older guy in terms of the prospects. I mean, but it feels like last year was in a sense a year loss for him. I mean, he's already, he's 23. He'll be 24 after, he'll, he'll be 24 more than likely by the time he makes his debut. And it gets, just gets to the point where it's just thinking about what could have been if 2020 was a normal season. Would have probably started in double A. there. Could have potentially gotten close enough to the point where going into the, in the spring training this year would have been a job to lose for him.
1: Yeah. Well, not only, and, and you don't want him to fall into, the situation, like where we've seen with with Brinson and with Monte, which you know, I'll take Monte for example. Like now he's twenty five, he's pushing twenty six already. That's already an old prospect. You know that you need you need to see something already. You need to really it needs to it needs to flip soon. It, it finally looked like it was starting to a little bit for Brinson last year, which is encouraging. Like really truly happening. And but again, it's ha- it happened late. It happened with him already at twenty five. So Bladé not quite there yet, but you're. This needs to be a big year for him because he needs to, you know, you may forget about maybe catching up and all that, but just in terms of progressing, because you don't want it to be 20, he's at 25, 26, and still really hasn't flourished into even even the beginnings of what you hope that he ends up being. You hope that you know, even if you lose a little time, if you're set back a little bit, but just keep trending to the point where you hope this guy can be that kind of that kind of a presence at the plate and in the outfield like he was at Vanderbilt.
0: Yeah, definitely, and a little bit of news just popping out. Uh, John Heyman from MLB Network. Uh, MLB offered a universal DH if the union agreed to expand the playoffs. Union once again rebuffed that that deal, which has been the case for the last about month or so. So as of mm-hmm. right now, still no universal, D- no DH in the NL going into 2021.
1: Yep, I mean again, still two months in between. You know this conversation we're having and yeah. open and the theoretical opening day, but. You, you don't want it to be like right up against it. you'd like to have some clarity going into spring training or even even if you start spring training and still not have exact timetable, but at least maybe you know teams need to, teams need to make moves. I mean yeah it's the clock is ticking here. I mean, I know they happened in February, but you know you're not going to be sitting there March 15th and still wondering or, or then going back and regretting oh crap, had we known? We wouldn't have we not have picked up this guy or 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 you know, whatever the case may be. So yeah, it's pretty interesting how they're gonna have to balance all this going forward.
0: Yep, and they've got about three weeks until pitchers and catchers are scheduled to report. Whether that remains the same will be probably hopefully decided sooner rather than later. The Cactus League actually sent out a memo to Major League Baseball saying that
1: or requesting
0: that there'd be a delay. Obviously the Cactus mm-hmm. League itself doesn't have overall jurisdiction on whether or not spring training happens but the fact that that is out there could raise some potential concern about whether or not pitch and catchers are going to be out there on february right.
1: 17th yeah i mean who knows maybe the grapefruit league league follows suit and maybe there's something like that happening here in florida too and then you know and then obviously it hits home here so yeah i mean again it, unsettling that we're here you know three weeks potentially three weeks away and still you know we've seen it happen in all these other sports where the the day before two days before stuff could flip real quick.
0: Yeah, definitely. And we'll touch base more on this again next week, when fingers crossed, we'll have a little bit more clarity about how it's going and hopefully a little, hopefully some more moves to discuss until then. Thanks so much again for listening to our latest episode of fish bites and we'll be back next week. Thanks so much, everyone.